0: Thanks for tuning
1: in. They never felt like hip hop was being uh, sort of impressed onto them, but they were able to to observe and feel like they understood what was happening in the game and what was happening with like the content of the cards and all the events that sort of take place in hip hop. And they felt connected to it, and they wanted to keep playing.
0: You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact.
2: Hey everyone, today I'm here with Omari, who is the incredible designer down the street here in Durham, North Carolina. Um, He has designed everything from tabletop games to other incredible digital designs that you'll probably see on your screen at some point here in the near future as we talk about how you can find him. But for now, I just want to get started with the basis of thanking him for being here with me today. Hey Omari, how are you doing?
1: I'm pretty good. Thanks for the intro.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to get into a little bit about what's behind you, but um, just for frame of reference for people who are listening and watching um, and just being able to view all these incredible, beautiful visual things in his background. I first came across Omori and his work uh, when he launched a hip hop inspired tabletop game called Rap Guides. And I thought that was so unique and such a different way to highlight Black culture because that's not something I would ever think of, right? Like, you know, when you think of a um, uh, Black culturally inspired game, you probably think of like NBA 2K or, you know, any NFL game you could play on PlayStation or Xbox. and so not necessarily a tabletop game that you can play with friends in person um, and just kind of have fun with, and that can be accessible for all people. So I really want to you know, to why you as a designer decided to make a tabletop game and how your creativity kind of led you down that path.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I like solving problems. Uh, And uh, one day me and my brother were just kind of talking about board games. I had been playing a lot of games. This was when the hobby was really growing um, in like, you know, 2010, 2011 um and i got into it and enjoyed it and just thought wow this is really cool and really fun uh but my brother presented me with the problem of where are all the black experiences and black culture related games and so we had the bright idea to just start making them um cuz we couldn't find them and at least in the format that we wanted you know we wanted something something unique something that encompassed a lot of the things that we care about uh in a game and had some interesting and different gameplay that because that's what i saw in the board game industry at the time was like wow they're they're creating so many new and fun like interactions in in board games now can we do that and just extend it out into black culture
2: yeah no that's beautiful um And I think that that element of like, how can we not only just create something that's for us, but still innovate within that space, right? I think sometimes solving our own problems at first seems like innovation and the basis for a good idea. But if you're not setting it up to think about like, not only am I solving a problem, but I'm improving upon and really contributing to this industry as I'm creating in it. Then, like, how am I going to set the foundation for myself to progress and be taken seriously? Um, and so, like, as you guys like, started to create this and we're like, going down the process, like, what were some of the first things you did? Because if I were to say, like, I want to start or I want to create a tabletop game that is inspired by black filmmakers, I wouldn't have the first idea of how to start doing something like that.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was lucky because you know in the the small tabletop community that I was part of here in the Triangle, um, there was a designer who was kind of just starting out in the process too. Um, so I had a little bit of a model. Um, yeah, his name is uh, Brian. He lives in Raleigh. He has still making games, so which is cool. So uh, you know, kind of the person who got me my leg up. Um. yeah, it was kind of just following his lead uh, and seeing what was possible. Uh, so those first few things really were, um, okay, what is it? What does the process actually look like? And so he was able to give me that breakdown. And now it's cool. Like you can go online, there are resources available for tabletop gamer designers specifically to like, learn some of these things and find out what the process is. Um, but he really showed me that. and the next thing almost immediately was just like make the game like in the smallest, easiest format that you can and get it on in front of some people and play it. Um, so just understanding, you know broadly what the process looked like and then jumping in head first was really the best way to go about it. Um, I think, yeah, there's a tendency to kind of hesitate and try and figure out and solve the problem of what the game is before you start. Uh, But really thinking about tabletop game design, like it's physical and all of those interactions and everything you see on the table, it really needs to be physical for you to get the complete picture of what it is. Um, So it was all about, yeah, just, just getting something to the table. And my brother really took the lead on that. And made us an entire prototype in a weekend, <laughs> uh, I think, so we could actually try it out. And it just it just snowballed from there.
2: Nice, nice. I think you said something that a lot of people can relate to, which is that sometimes when we have an idea, we try to figure out what the endpoint is going to be before we actually just even try to make the idea a reality, right? So sometimes just in making things, you figure out like what the kinks are, what can be improved, and just like what are some barriers to creating something like this and maybe that's why it hasn't been created and how are you going to overcome that so i think like jumping in is such a great uh way to to start validating an idea and a second part of what you said was not only create it but like get it in the hands of people like let people experience it before trying to make it also perfect um and so after your brother made the prototype how did you guys get it in front of other gamers who could be your potential customers
1: um, yeah. So uh, this was also pretty lucky um, knowing somebody who was in the industry, they were traveling to board game conventions. And I just say that to most people and they're like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, and, and it's real. But there's organizations at this point now, even um, they, ha- they were smaller back then, but they're pretty big now. They are built for new designers to prototype and playtest games. Uh, There's one that I work with occasionally called Unpub, um, and they host events and they will kind of give you the infrastructure and ideas for how to host your own playtesting events Um, because they know they've been doing it for a while. And yeah, organizations like that, uh, they have it specifically they run events at conventions so i was able to get connected to one of those uh, actually at PAX Unplugged in Philly and that was the first convention where i really got to play test my game like people that i didn't know had never seen me before um you know taking that risk and and trying something new. And it was a hip hop game. So everybody who looked at it and came over and saw it was like, wow, this is really different. This isn't something that I've seen before, um, which told us, you know, we were in the right place, but we got amazing feedback that weekend and and really, like, I think changed the trajectory of the game completely. Nice.
2: Nice. I think. I think I know, I feel, I desire for it to be true that, you know, when you have such a niche idea within a space that is still currently being validated by customers. So like in this case, when you have such a different or different take on a product that people may be familiar with in concept, but there may not be as many people attending these type of conferences and there may not be as much feedback to gain. I think that's still valuable because it represents like quality over quantity in terms of like your user base and your market fit. And when trying to like get things out there, again, going back to like, you know, when you just have an idea and you're all excited and you're just like, I want it to be X, Y, Z as soon as I launch it. I want, you know, this, my audience to be this big. I want, you know, all these other things that may not really matter at the end of the day you know you have a big audience and they're not engaging with your stuff or they're not the right audience that's going to engage with the new product that you put out so i I think some of it too is like not being afraid to get that more direct smaller feedback but from an engaged like audience who really cares about the integrity of the product um
1: yeah yeah And i mean that you describing kind of like one of our biggest challenges which is like how do we you know. As like we're sort of carving out this very different new space how in that do we make sure we're talking to the right people who are going to appreciate you know what we're doing and like the convention that i mentioned in philly majority of our playtesters there were white gamers right because like that's that was the industry back then at least when we started for sure um and we knew that we were making this game also for the black community so like we had to take the game to our friends houses or to like family gatherings and get our people to play too and get that feedback from both sides and then try to make sense of it in a way that still feels like this is going to be a product that both types of people or wherever you come from can enjoy um and and with no Real proof of concept for for that it was it was a really 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 big challenge, and we're facing the same thing again with hoop guys. Just understanding that you know there's a particular place that that basketball and, and, bat, and basketball culture and hip hop like intersect, but how do we translate that into hey sit down and play this semi complex game that that kind of uh, has the same vibe as the street basketball you know uh culture that we're familiar with
2: no yeah i think again like just going back to not even going back but starting from that place and going forward as we think about like you know there are people who are like i made this for black people you know i made this for people who like to bike i made this for people who like to play basketball right like i made this for this specific group of people but like (laughs) How do I, like, not make that group of people so narrow that so few people would be our potential customers? Like, and how do I make Mm, it welcoming for people who may not even be as familiar with basketball culture, hip-hop culture, interested in trying something like this that may not be the typical type of board game that they play, but it has enough of a story and concept that they're familiar with and open to trying something new, All right? So just, like, that storytelling aspect of, like, how do I present something in a way that Mm I don't know if palatable is the right word, but just like intriguing at the very least to multiple groups of people.
1: Yeah. Intriguing. um, I would say in some ways uh, inspiring and in some ways educational, like that was the, the, like we, we knew that hip hop was a good starting point because it's one of the most popular music types in the world. Like it, it exists in such a vast space. And so we know people are aware of it. So like we, we've we crossed that bridge, right? Like people understand what hip hop is. Um, but when you actually sit down to play, it was like, okay, this is our opportunity now. What are we trying to do with the game and what are we trying to say? And for those people who are not like ingrained in hip hop culture, we do want it to be like very understandable the language that we use so like of course there's slang in the game but we also try to make it understandable for somebody who is just entering into the space or just doesn't have all the context and nuance that we do and so we have to translate a lot of that into the art uh, to try to really kind of sell the idea of each Piece of content in the game as a real hip hop thing, Um, and I recently uh, actually got to sit in on a class at Duke where they they played the game and they talked about it after, and that was a lot of the feedback was kind of in that vein. Like it never they never felt like hip hop was being uh, sort of impressed onto them, but they were able to to observe and feel like they understood what was happening in the game and what was happening with like the content of the cards and all the events that sort of take place in hip hop and they felt connected to it and they wanted to keep playing. So um, I think, I think especially for rap guides, it it is really in a really sweet spot. Um, So yeah, we're just trying to get some more games printed and get these to as many people as possible.
2: Yeah. Um, So one thing that you mentioned multiple times during that last little piece was language, right? So not only, the language in the game, but language that is accessible and that would be understandable across multiple groups of people. I think for somebody like me who's not a designer, that is probably one of the biggest hurdles for me and getting better at design at first. And now I'm just talking about like digital design, like you know what I'm saying, yeah. like just like creating graphics better than you know something off camera or something like that, you know what I mean, like just learning. Yeah, yeah currenting and all these other things that I had no concept of. And I think as you kind of reiterated, like the design field has gotten more and more accessible over the years as more people have been interested and more platforms have been popping popping up here and there to make it easier to get into. I think photography and filmmaking, most people know that Mm -hmm. those type of fields are going to be the most expensive, right? They're very expensive hobbies just from the gear alone. And then writing is probably gonna be the most other accessible because it's just pen and paper. That's pretty cheap. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, if you want to write digital notes on your phone, that's also accessible just but everybody has a phone nowadays. And design has kind of sat somewhere in the middle because of the software, right? So like mm-hmm. if you're thinking about like what free softwares are available, what actual like industry standard softwares are available, like that gap in payment is is pretty stark for somebody just starting out. Um, so yeah, so at least to me, I don't know. Sounds like you agree. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's, it's getting more accessible by the day. Um, and that's been kind of watching the board game industry grow. You can see uh, all of the things that kind of contributed to that from like things like 3d printing becoming way more accessible and inexpensive, uh, to Kickstarter and more crowdfunding places being available, Um, And really, I think the general understanding that games are here to stay, and especially tabletop games, like people responded well to those during the pandemic, and I think realized that they have a cultural importance. And so there's going to be a need to create more things. And yeah, I think just as long as people are aware of that, and they're willing to take a little bit of a risk, because it's still not a huge money making uh, industry then yeah, it's a it's a great place to start. And it, it is, it's a lot easier to get into than it was now. But of course, that also means there's a lot more competition in the space and design space um, who are, you know, obviously going to be making other games which are competing products, but in a lot of ways they're not too, uh, just because of the nature of what board games are.
2: This episode was recorded using Riverside.
0: Riverside is an incredible video recording and live streaming tool for video podcasters and video creators. With the ability to record videos up to 4K resolution, all participants have access to active local backups, which make poor internet connections and lagging
2: audio a thing of the past. If you're ready to upgrade the audio and video quality of your show, please be sure to check out the link in the description to experience Riverside for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I always say competition is a good thing because that means that your idea is validated. That means that there's a market for it and other people popping up is just proof of that. Um, When it comes to you, I think you did a launch over the pandemic, is that right? You did a launch, I think it was 2020, is that right?
1: Yeah, we did um, at the end of 2020, uh, basically coming off of the uh, selling out of our first campaign campaign. Um, we decided to jump into another one. And I think, you know, in retrospect, it was it was maybe too fast of a turnaround to do that, especially with the unknowns of the pandemic, um which is why we've struggled to actually like get our products made at this point. and um, but it was the right choice to stay in the industry. We knew that we wanted to do something else. And so I'm glad that we we just kept kept the ball rolling. It was like, Rap Gods is one thing, but there's a lot more stories that we want to tell about, you know, our lives and what we do.
2: Yeah. But I think it was also smart because I think I read somewhere that like puzzles was like the number one thing that people bought to play with their family or to do with their family. So, and then, of course, like the Sony, was it the PS5? I said oh. like you know again this is that people are familiar <laughs> with but in the vein of games like they sold out so quickly and it was like you would think that people who are struggling for money who have potentially been laid off are not going to splurge on you know a four or five hundred dollar gaming system but they did so i I think the pandemic in a lot of ways was the right time for games because they gave people a sense of community they gave people a sense of peace they gave people an outlet they gave people a way to connect people you know, safely and spend time, more meaningful time with the people around them now that they were probably at home. They probably had more Mm -hmm. family time than ever, more community time than ever. And so I think that element is something that I hope really stays, which is like this important. So I'm like having meaningful connections and just like the board game being a way to foster that, right? Just like how people use coffee, or people use anything else. I want it to be, you know, as synonymous with breathing as that. So...
1: It's, that's 100% real. I think not only just a connection, but I think one of the other key pieces that I came into the industry kind of thinking about was just the culture of play and increasing, especially adults, professional adults, uh, especially in the black community. Like there's absolutely a necessity to just play, whatever it is, games, dance, Um, And we see in board game space, like, we can bring families together around this, like, and just play and have fun together, friends, couples. I think Hoop Gods is going to be a great couples game, (laughs) 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 you know? Uh, It's just, like, just have an experience and try to enjoy it um, and just go for it. And I just want more of that, especially for Black folks, because... We, we work hard. <laughs> we work real hard. And so I think the play is really important too.
2: Yes, yes. Making time for rest, making time for fun, making time for joy. I love it. I love all of it. So let's talk a little bit more about some of your other design freelancing work, right? Because you didn't just start with like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to design a tabletop game. So what was your journey into just starting design as it was? Because you've been designing for a long time. So you've seen... The industry grow and progress and what it means to be a designer, to be a designer evolve over time. Because now it's not just, I think at one point being a designer was like creating graphics online and things like that. But Mm -hmm. now it's kind of progressing to, are you a motion designer? Are you an illustrator? Are you an animator? Are you a web designer? Um, You know, what other niches within that? I'm sure there are more. (laughs) Oh <laughs> God.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So like how has that, you know, like kind of progression as a designer, as a career in general been like for you?
1: Oh man. I mean that that's a huge question because I've I've spent time in so many different spaces. Like my dad was a photographer and I grew up with that in my household. And that really like during college and after college was the way that I supported myself. So um I did photography and I did a computer science degree. So that also kind of put me in the web design space. Um, and so I, I did that for a while too. So I really, and, and that eventually, of course, morphed into more graphic design. And so I got a good understanding of what, the, what I guess the design process was like uh, for me in just creating things. And that helped a lot. Because when I finally got into board games, it was like, OK, I I kind of understand how to sort of understand my vision and then move forward on that uh, and actually try to execute on that. So board games was, I think, the most engaging for me because of the social component and because of the the physical component. Like, I initially wanted to be a video game designer and but the process of that just spending so much time in the code and in the graphics uh didn't resonate with me as much but when i started doing board game design i think that was the piece that was the most surprising is just like how enjoyable it was to foster those social interactions at the table and create that and craft that um and and make interesting choices for people because that's really what game design is is, is time after time, just providing interesting choices. Um, and, and it just, I don't know, I, I think in the, the, the physicality of it, just being there in person with people um, really, really, really just made me get attached to it. And I think all of that is still there. The, the challenges that have sort of come out of uh, the industry changing quite a bit now um, with with the pandemic a lot of the design process actually went digital Um, so there's a lot of digital design tools out there where you can create prototypes and everything kind of on the fly uh, inside a piece of software uh, which is hugely beneficial to the industry as a whole but also the more i started doing that the less enjoyable it was to have the the process take place the play testing process take place um, so, you know, we're expanding. It's improving. There's a lot more board game publishing companies out there, uh, which does mean more opportunities to potentially get your ideas in the hands of a publisher uh, if you don't want to publish yourself, which is really cool. Um, there's actually more crowdfunding um Avenues now, uh, Backerkit, which used to be a company that only really focused on marketing and pledge management, they now have their own crowdfunding tool. Uh, there's now GameFound, which is a new one, uh, focused specifically on tabletop games. So again, finding those niches and make, and figuring out what products are available. Uh, is important. So there's there's been a lot of change. So the relationship with designers and publishers, I think, is changing and evolving in terms of just like how we get paid. Um, and I think there's still a lot of growing pains in the industry going on too, because of you know it's still fairly new in terms of that that relationship between designer and publisher um, or writer. A lot of games just require pure writing. Um, I'm working on a couple games right now that are more about the narrative side of things than the gameplay side of things. Um, and and that's another piece that's evolving, the types of games that we're getting. So yeah, one of the games that I'm working on called The Dark Quarter uh, is a hybrid game. It has an app and it has a physical board game piece to it. Uh, so there's stuff like that going on too. So plenty of opportunities and uh, just variety so it it feels to me more to to be the case now where if you can imagine it there's probably a a a good way to build it and design it um that isn't going to be super inaccessible (laughs) just based on the technology we have there's there's a lot out there now so yeah this should be good
2: yeah you have just opened my mind because first of all i didn't know there were publishers for games so like My mind is a little bit blown, so that's also an interesting aspect because now you're essentially adding a middleman, right? It's like the difference between self-publishing a book and then going through a publishing house to, you know, have them facilitate a lot of the distribution and things like that for your book. So um, that's really interesting and intriguing and good to know. Um, But also good, again, for people who maybe, let's say, have a good idea but maybe not a good sounding board. For that idea and they have the capital to say like, yeah, I can go to, a, I would like to partner with a publisher on this um, and work with these different crowdfunding sources, which again, like half the things you mentioned, I've never heard of, you know, when you're saying crowdfunding, I was thinking like Indiegogo, Kickstart, like other mm-hmm. things people would typically know or think of which do, I mean, Indiegogo to his credit does kind of kick back and say, here are some other projects you may be interested in backing or Kickstarter, same thing. Here are some other things you may be interested in backing. But if you're doing a tabletop game specifically, then it makes sense to be on a space where you could be recommended to other people who are already probably interested in investing in a tabletop game. So like having these like industry specific um, crowdfunding websites is like super, I think, key and could be like the game changer. I think sometimes it's not necessarily always like the method is the distribution, right? So it's not that you don't have a good idea, but maybe you just didn't distribute it in the right channel. Right. So like that's social media, that's like photography, that's films, that's, that's design as anything. Um, and that's always just like such a game that you play, but like that you mm-hmm. get better at as you get deeper into an industry. right? Um, so, Going back to like the different types of designers, like a big difference between like, let's say UX, UI design and graphic design is like the time between um, start and finish of a product and then also that different time between like once that product is brought to market, like the reactions that you get from people, right? And it sounds like being a tabletop designer is kind of a mix of that, right? Because it may take you a minute to get from you know product idea to like get a prototype working but then once you get it in the hands of people the feedback is like instant right so you get kind mm-hmm. of yeah so you get like the best of both it's like a hurry up and wait game right so it's like hurry up get this idea get it out there but then you get that immediate you know like yeah feedback. So you can tweak but then it might take a minute for those tweaks to show up in a revised copy and like all these other things
1: there's there's a lot of tips and tricks to that the iteration through board game design is one of the key things that I think kind of can scare people away because yeah and the ideal scenario that you're kind of describing like you can do that quickly um, so there's there's I' give you one example um, of a trick that we use in developing card games all the time so I um, I've seen new designers basically, you know, get a bunch of blank cards and just scribble all over them, but that doesn't work well for iteration. Um, so the method that, you know, a lot of pro designers use is to use card sleeves. And so you just put random cards inside card sleeves and you can literally just write on a sticky note what the card is going to be for the game and just put it on the card and stick it in the sleeve. And when you want to change cards, you're just swapping out sticky notes. So it's a really quick way to, to iterate through things. Um, and so you learn tips and tricks for you know just getting through that process quickly and understanding that. Also, you, know, you can test one part of the game without really needing to play another part of the game. So you can kind of isolate, OK, what am I testing here? Let's test that, and you can sort of do it separately from other pieces of the game. Um, you know, you do it a few times, you start to kind of get into a rhythm of the testing and and making changes process, uh, which really, really, actually gets tricky when you're developing six to eight games at once, uh, and and just trying to manage that and and keep track of what you did in each. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, yeah, it sounds like you've got a lot of projects, so we salute you. <laughs> well, that's yeah, great, though. Unfortunately,
1: that's unfortunately. unfortunately.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. It's like, it's fun when it's an idea. It's overwhelming when you have, like, 10 ideas to manage, but you're just, like, excited about all the things when you want to see them come to fruition, exactly. so you stick with it. Oh, man. Well, yeah, well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I know that Colorway Game Labs has a whole, whole lot in store for us in the future, uh, for those listening and watching, if you haven't checked out Rap Gods or the feature product to God's, be sure to do that. And thank you so much, more for being here with me.
1: Yeah, this is fabulous. Thanks for <laughs> inviting me.